Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. And we're beginning a whole new series of 20 lessons this month. And we're calling this, What is Faith? And I find in my uh, being with people and being around people, church people, people who love God and want to know more about God, that there's a great deal of misunderstanding about faith. And the reason is because people are not precise with their terms. The Bible is very precise about what faith is, how faith works. It distinguishes, for instance, between faith and hope. What a lot of people operate in is hope, and they mistakenly think that that's faith. They don't know the difference, and hope is a great force. In fact, it is a component in faith. You have to have hope before you can have faith. But it is not faith, and hope alone will not get you what faith will get you. So it's so very important that we understand how faith works, what it is. I'm taking our text for this series from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and I'm reading from 26 translations. And if you've watched the Faith Roots podcast, you know I like to jump around and use lots of different translations. And the reason for that is... I like the one that gives me what I feel like is the best take on what we're trying to get across in a particular verse. Uh, so let's go to Hebrews eleven six twenty six translations. Without faith, man cannot please God. For the man who draws near to God must believe that there is a God and that he will reveal himself to those who sincerely look for him to all those who earnestly try to find him. The King James says, to those who diligently seek him. Now this is important. If faith is required for a genuine relationship with God, then faith ought to be your single greatest pursuit. You need to have faith. If, if You have to have faith to have a genuine relationship with God, and that's what the Scriptures teach, then this needs to be your priority. You need to have no questions about how it comes, how you take care of it, and how you strengthen it. So simply stated, no faith, no relationship. So here's the first question. <clears throat> how do we obtain faith? Does it come at birth? Can I pray for faith? You'd be surprised how many people think that that is the case. It's not what the Bible teaches, but a lot of people think that. How will I know that I have faith? Can I feel faith? And that's a good question. Can you feel it? Can you tell when you have it? Uh, I'm a very positive thinker. Does that mean that I have faith because I'm naturally positive? Don't little children have faith? a deep and abiding faith. Uh, the Bible seems to say something about that. So is that the case? Uh, do you lose your childlike faith when you grow up? My grandmother had a lot of faith, but I don't think I could ever be like her. That's how a lot of people think. If you've had a mother, a grandmother, someone who had a lot of faith, you think, oh no, I could never have that kind of faith. You know, God's no respecter of persons. You can have great faith, as great as anybody. It's totally up to you. But if you wish to have faith in Jesus, and if you wish to have faith in Father God, the Father God and the Jesus who are talked about in the Bible, 
then you have only one place to look. You have to go to the Bible to get your faith. Listen to what Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 declares. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith then is not inherited. It isn't a feeling. And it's not just a positive outlook. It comes exclusively by hearing the Word of God. The Bible doesn't tell us that we can pray for faith. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, in John chapter 20, in verse 31, Jesus says this, But these are written, and he's talking about the things that he chose to include in his gospel, the gospel of John. If you read the gospel of John, you'll see that it doesn't have as many miracles in it as do the other gospels. That's not its mission. John went on a mission to set out to prove that Jesus was the resurrected Son of God, that He was the Word of God made flesh. He takes a little different approach to presenting Jesus than the other writers. And he said, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. So he says, in effect, everything we've been saying the last minute or two, that faith and believing are made possible by what is written. But these are written, he says, that you might believe. So God inspired people, holy men of old, to write. The word inspired means God breathed. That These people were taken over by an operation of the Holy Spirit where they were almost compelled, and they still had a free will to do it, but they, they were under a very strong compulsion to write what it is that they wrote. Uh, we can be inspired today by the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about us, about us being inspired to prophesy, for instance, but it's nothing like what happened when these old prophets were given these words, and the apostles as well, and they wrote things under the direct influence of the Holy Spirit. That anointing on them was far greater than anything on us today. And here's why we know that. We are judged by what they wrote. If our anointing is equal to them, then they would have no right or their writings would have no consequence on us. We would be able to add our own versions and interpretations and so forth. And we can't. We are subject to them. We're judged by what they wrote. And so Jesus endorses this, and he tells us how important it is to believe what is written. Now there's a story in the Gospel of John about Jesus appearing to the twelve. And uh, this is after the resurrection, and actually we need to qualify it because there really are not twelve, there are only ten there, because Judas is dead by this time, he's already killed himself, and then Thomas is not there. So I'm reading to you John chapter 20 and beginning in verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we've seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands 
the print of the nails and put my hand into his side. I want to put my finger into the print of the nails, he said, and put my hand into his side. I won't believe until I can do that. And so he was a believing is dependent upon seeing philosopher. That's how he reasoned. I have to see it to believe it. And the Bible says in verse 26 that after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. Now he waited eight days to do this. He didn't immediately correct Thomas. He could have appeared right on the spot when Thomas had boasted and said those things, but he didn't. He said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. So apparently Jesus still bears those marks in his body. In other words, the nail prints are still in his hands, and the place where he was pierced by the spear is still part uh, of his body and his side. Now, he has a glorified body. There's no blood oozing out, but, but, but the marks are still there in his hands and feet and side. And so uh, when Thomas sees this and hears Jesus say these words, he knows that Christ heard everything that he said previously, and he sees that Jesus is indeed raised from the dead, and he exclaims, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And the Bible says, Truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. So here's what uh, John is saying. John is saying that for all those of you who could not be here with us and you could not see these things, you need to know that your avenue to faith is in believing what is written. And he's saying that actually that the power of this written word is so great that it has the ability to convince us of the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, even though we were not physically there to hear it and see it. We did not have firsthand physical evidence of it. I'll never forget the night that I was presented with the gospel in a clear and powerful way. Not heard preaching quite a bit before, but that night I realized that God gave Jesus as my sacrifice. I also realized for the first time that I was accountable for that sacrifice. In other words, the, the speaker, the evangelist, said, if you did not just receive Christ when I gave you opportunity, can you now double up your fist, look up to heaven, and tell God, God, I don't want you. I don't want your son. I don't want the gift that you gave to me. Can you do that? I was one of those people who said, you know, I will probably receive Christ, but not right now. I want to sow some wild oats and have a little fun. And later on, after I've lived my life, I'll, I'll come back and receive Christ. But that really got to me. 
because for the first time I realized I, I didn't just not receive Jesus, I rejected him. And the thought that I was dealing with a God who was very real, very much aware of my decision, and very much displeased that I rejected him. I knew that what I did did not please God. It concerned me, and I went home, and I was thinking about how I had offended God that night. And the attitude that came over me was a serious conviction of my sins. And that's what the Bible says the Holy Spirit does. He convinces us of sin. He convicts us of sins and convicts us of our need of a Savior. And all of that was so real to me. If you had come to me, even though I had not yet surrendered my life to Christ, if you had come to me and asked the question, do you believe there is a God? I would have said, absolutely, yes. Do you believe there's a Jesus? Yes, I do. Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins? I would have said, yes, I know that he did. And that's why I'm confronted right now with this conviction. And it was very real to me, and it was so real that I was able to wait for 24 hours and stew on this. And over the next 24 hours, I made the decision, I'm coming back, I'm going to hear this again, I'm going to receive Christ, and I'm going to be saved. And that's exactly what happened 24 hours later. I came back and received the Lord. Now, how did I get that kind of faith? I didn't have that faith uh, the day before I heard. I did not have that kind of faith. I heard that kind of faith because of preaching. I heard the Word of God proclaimed. I heard scriptures read. I heard scriptures quoted. I heard the scripture explained. And it gave me the capacity to believe. So... Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, here's the great thing about that. The great thing about that is it puts power into my hands. In other words, I can have as much faith, as great a faith as I want, because it all depends on how I hear God's Word. If I take on a steady diet of hearing God's Word, if I become hungry for God's Word, if I begin to listen to good teaching, if I begin to read the Scriptures for myself, if I begin to say God's Word out loud so that I can hear it, you know, a lot of times we think, that the only way we can hear God's Word is if someone else says it out loud. But you know, I believe the greatest way to build your personal faith is to speak God's Word or read God's Word out loud so that you can hear it with your ears. That's how you make an imprint on your heart. You know, I often do this when I talk to people about how to remember things and how we remember Scripture. And uh, I, I'm an old rock and roller, and, and I, I will use lyrics of an old rock and roll song. And, and, and everybody that's my age knows exactly what the lyrics are. And I'll sing one line of the song, and I'll ask people, what's the next line? And they all come right back to me with it. They know it. How is it that they learned that 50 years ago? Actually, the song's well over 50 years old. And yet everybody that lived in that time, they still remember the lyrics. It is because 
They said it. They sang it. There's something about you saying something over and again out loud that imprints it into your being. And I believe one of the most effective ways to build strong faith is to read God's Word to yourself aloud. You know, a lot of times we want to do this quietly, and I get it. Most of the time I will read my Bible quietly. But if I really want to make an impression on my spirit... I read it out loud. And this is how we build faith. It's what God told Joshua. This book of the law will not depart from your mouth. He didn't say from your mind. He said from your mouth, Joshua 1.8. So that's how we build strong faith. Well, we don't have any more time today, but we'll pick up with this idea tomorrow because strong faith is not an option. It is a necessity, especially in this day and time, and we're going to talk to you about how to get it. Now, be sure that you subscribe to this Faith Roots podcast, and if you haven't already, go to my website, myfaithroots.com, and get the email that comes along with this podcast lesson every day. And uh, you can subscribe to the channel. You can press the like button. That'll help me. And uh, I would appreciate you telling somebody about this. Let's spread the word. Let's get as many people some strong faith. Thank you very much.